if I say I agree, then maybe <laughs> maybe I'll screw up your whole podcast. But I, I can certainly see that there are some challenges involved. Hello and welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex. It's a podcast from metro.co.uk. It's a, you sound so surprised. <laughs> it's a podcast. Oh my God, a podcast. Madam. It's a bit like withdrawing from Europe. Oh. Hey. My name is BB Lynch. And I'm Miranda Kane. And coming up, we are talking to an author of a really fascinating new book that's going to change how you, Miranda Kane, think about L-O-V-E. That's about Love. I've got a list for you, BB. What? Okay, let me go through it. Nearly. um, So I like very much. This isn't to you, this is just a mental list. I think things between us are nice. I really want to spend more time with it. Do you know what this list this is? This is a list of easier ways to say I love you. Because hey! <laughs> that's the title no. of the book. No. <laughs> really no. And I don't know what's going on, but you are out of control today. I would let you look after my cat. Do you have a cat? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> got a very nice pussy let's put it that way yeah. oh you haven't thanked me for your cunt bauble oh yes oh Calandra thank you very much Calandra from Lust in Brighton you may remember Calandra from one of our previous when we did our first outside broadcast OB OB oh, in Brighton um, and I had a bauble but I've just been on my travels recently and I managed to smash my cunts and I'm <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was appalled, as is everyone listening now. And and Calandra was appalled. Yeah. So she's given you a replacement. You're a lucky lady. Oh, I so am. Thank um, you. As Calandra. fascinating as your cunt talk is. <laughs> can we speak to Lucy Fry, please? Yes, we can. Was that an easier way to say I love you as well? I'm going to smack your face. I'll add that to the list. <laughs> Welcome to... Can I just say something? Yes. I haven't seen you for a while. Oh. No, I'd forgo- no don't owe me. <laughs> I'd forgotten. Mm. Yeah. You'd, you'd just forgotten the general state of things. Is that- You've got a little way about you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I love you. I can't believe I haven't seen you. Just because um, I insist on I, doing the podcast naked. Oh, it's so, I mean, it's... You just, you're just not as open-minded as I would have hoped. Is it be funny? Because I thought I would be. I know, I know. The Catholic Muslim Jew in me is <laughs> finding it all hard to come to terms with. Anyway, um, welcome. So sorry, Lucy Fry. I'm going to give you an intro. Welcome to Good Sex, Bad Sex. Journalist and author Lucy Fry. Round of applause. Yay! How are you? Better you for like... being here and seeing that. Oh, you are so welcome here. Um, are you wearing a new room? And it's got, what's it called? A lectern? A lectern. Two lecterns. Two lecterns. So it's one for each of us. And, and, and when I arrived, I went behind the lectern to give a speech to the assorted crowd. It's empty. <laughs> Juliet didn't. Miranda <laughs> actually gave an acceptance speech. <laughs> <laughs> for our future award. And, and Lucy's reaction was... Please don't ever make me give an acceptance speech. No, I didn't even notice there was a lectern there. Oh, the awful show-off. 
blind to it. Don't worry. We know who the show-offs are in the room and we're quite happy to accept that award yeah. on behalf of everyone <laughs> who is here today, yeah. including my Us. mom, yeah. my dad yeah. and Bibi Lynch. Oh, Bobo Lunch. <laughs> um, so Lucy's book, Easy Ways to Say I Love You, is, Lucy, I'm quoting your book at you, um, a remarkable and candid account of the complexities and joys of polyamory and queer family making. Can I stop you right there? <laughs> <laughs> There's no joy in polyamory. I, I, uh, if I say I agree, then maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll screw up your whole podcast. But I, I can certainly see that there are some challenges involved. Like what? So first of all, what's the story? What's your journey? <sighs> okay, so I mean, I want to talk about how the book isn't just about sex and, yeah, and yeah. family making. But you've asked me a question directly about polyamory, so I'll answer that first. Um, the story essentially begins with me having being a bit naughty. Um, having a, a, what we'd call an extramarital affair for about two weeks to the at the point by which point I just couldn't tolerate the split anymore of kind of lying and cheating and um, then feeling love and connection at home. So I decided to just tell the truth and see what happened rather than assume it would lead to breakup at home. So uh, and what emerged and what unfolded was an attempt at polyamory. Why did you think polyamory would even work? And I'm not even saying that in the narrow-minded way that sounded. No. <laughs> because you know how I feel. Yes. Yeah, you want to find your soulmate yeah. and the love of your yeah. life. Yeah. And to that end, I haven't been in a relationship since the day after Diana died. Right. But why did Is you it think... related to her death? In any oh, way? Was you she your soulmate? <laughs> Coming in with your accusations. Um, so why did you... Why do you think polyamory... Because any, wouldn't anyone think an affair's going to end something. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? And I and I knew that I still felt love and connection to my partner at home. And I didn't really understand that I could have feelings for lots of people at once. And I remember somebody asked me, you know, so you don't think you can be in love with two people? And I said, well, I, yeah, you can. And my answer was, yes, certainly you can, but I hate it. Right. <laughs> um, because you weren't... Because it... it, it. Um, no, by that stage I was. But because it... It requires so much of one. You know, I, I often think if I, live in a tr if I lived in a tribe and I was able to just spend all my time um, having emotional conversations and dealing with everyone's jealousy and upset and just loving everyone and having sex with everyone, then that will be okay. But I want to work and I, want, and I live in London and I have a child to look after. And, and that is where, for me, polyamory becomes very difficult. Actually, rationally, intellectually, I get it get it we're totally able to be connected and intimate with many people just as we're able to love many children or pets you know mm. that's kind of how it feels but it but but there is this primal thing called jealousy as well yeah. it comes in had it ever been something that you'd considered before in your relationship or no. was it just no you know, you in fact a friend point. of mine had told me about how she was date she had been dating for six years in a relationship committed relationship with a couple mm. um, male female couple and they all slept in the bed together and they went to Christmas parties together and they were a threesome they were mm. a throuple rather than a threesome I'm sure they had those um, <laughs> but uh, and I was just aghast at this yeah. but as with everything in my life that I'm aghast at um, I end up doing it. <laughs> what a great Just to test it If there <laughs> is a god, got a sense of humour. Yeah. Can I ask that about? Because um, I'm so intrigued by this. So you you could love two people at the same time. Did the love feel different? Yeah, one was a at the time I think it was eight eight year relationship because this was three years ago, and another was was new and lusty and 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 developed into love. They're totally different. I think it's sort of a primal. Um, 
it's like an inherent thing in human nature that we want freedom and we want security. And to some extent, my relationship, my home, re represented that security and this new thing represented freedom. Um, and so people often said, well, you're having your cake and eating it. And it's like, well, yeah, but you get quite sick if you have a lot of cake. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. a bit full, a lot, like literally full of stuff. Yeah. People's emotions, mine and the confusion. There's a lot of admin. Is there, there are Google well. Docs. Um, I'm inherently no. resistant to such uh, organising uh, <laughs> from others. But I was, I was, yeah, we had a wall chart at one stage you with different coloured stickers. Yeah, we did. My... My long-term partner put that up on the wall and I hated it because I I am quite organised, but I hate being controlled, so... Yeah. yeah. Um, Did she uh, go into polyamory as well and try different things? Well, she is um, more of a sort of non-monogamous type and it turned out when we started talking in depth and openly and honestly that she had been less faithful than I had thought. Oh. Um, yeah, so I'm not just the bad guy. It's so complex, isn't it? What's it? What I think is interesting as well, you're saying you don't like to be the centre of attention and it's like, what a I brave... I do and I don't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what, um, what a brave... Because um, you two are naked. I don't, <laughs> really? I don't know what happened. <laughs> what, um, really brave to start a book with your affair. Yeah, mm. it was like, okay, if I'm going to write honestly about everything, I need to be really honest about myself and show the most vulnerable, difficult ugly not even ugly, I don't think it's ugly but you know challenging aspects of myself first and then I can pull the veil off my mother and then I can you know look at everyone else honestly so you said that um the book wasn't just about the the sex and the relationship what other themes with were involved they was it were they things that you wanted to write yeah. about or were they mm. things that came out as you I'm were so writing pleased you asked me this um <laughs> because I do it is about sex and it is about love, but it's really about connection and the ways in which we look for connection, the, the distorted ways, the healthy ways, um, the growthful ways. I don't know why I said growthful. I hate that word. Um, well, it's not a real word. That's why I hate it. But OK, let's use it. Um, and the ways that we sort of screw up and try again and how, you know, hatred can also be a connecting force and hate within love certainly can. So. And parenting as well. It's, it's very much about... So it's about attachment, really. And then, the, and then trauma as well. And attachment, again, is addiction. Attachment as addiction. As a, or addiction as an attachment disorder. Yeah. 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 And the way that that functions in our lives. And it, Esther Perel, the, the um, psychotherapist and kind of relationships guru, says, um, show me how you were loved and I will show you how you make love. Oh. Uh, because she's Belgian, so every time she says make love, it doesn't cringe anyone out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I... I think when it cringes me out if an English person says it, I don't feel I'm able to say it. Sweet love, it makes it feel a bit better. Yeah, because then, then, you're, then you're taking the piss. No, yes, but it's... <laughs> well, we all know that. We all know where we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that's very much also what I was trying to unpick show a bit. Is like, again. show me how you were loved. Tell me how you were loved and I will show you, I don't think she means it like that, how you make love. Hmm. So, and make love as in like how you... Um, I suppose how you court people, how you how you uh, intrigue with people, how you have sex, how you uh, are in relationships, and how you can be intimate with someone, but it exactly. doesn't necessarily mean having sex with someone. No, of course not. No. But does she tell you? Oh, see, this is not good news for me. <laughs> so, so you got to unpick those children. Oh, I'll unpick your own. <laughs> oh, I have. Oh, I have. <laughs> I'm a Read busy the book. woman. <laughs> I haven't got a Google Doc at hand. Um, does she also say that it's possible to change it? Well, I can tell you it is. Yeah? I know it is. Um, yes, obviously, she. I think she would say, like me, that awareness is everything. 
Um, and if we're talking about insecure attachment patterns, which is where, you know, certain people tend to sort of rush headlong into everything and lose themselves and other people are very guarded against intimacy and want to protect themselves and need a lot more space. And then some people are a bit more secure in the middle and believe people can be there for them sometimes, but also can tolerate it when they're not. You know, yes, those more insecure attachment patterns can be worked with and can be can be changed to the more secure attachment patterns. There's some brilliant reviews. I love these reviews. A great one from Zoe Williams. Hot, warm, raw and intense and funny in the way that only tr- the truthful can be. Um, it's a stunning piece of writing full of courage, heart, pain and beauty. That's lovely. Um, Morgan Lloyd Malcolm. And this from Meg John, uh, John Barker, which I thought was really good. A beautiful, searing and whip-smart account of love of all kinds, Miranda. <laughs> Reading this book will change the way you think and feel about love. Is that one of the reasons that you wrote it to challenge how you think and feel about love and to challenge how mm. we? No, absolutely. Um, well, I think I wrote it as a survival strategy to get through what I was going through and Are a way to. Is this, all this yes. Wow. Yeah. And some of it's about my childhood. So I, I obviously wasn't. But um, yes, a lot of it I was. And I think that came through in the first draft, which had to then be changed because there was a lot of kind of stuff that wasn't resolved. Mm. Um, but yes, it was a survival strategy. It was a way of making something good come out of a lot of suffering and pain in terms of not knowing what I was going through, all that was being triggered from my childhood that was coming up in these relationships and my sense of guilt and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I, so I, it's also a call to action. It's kind of like I feel like I want to say to people, look, if I can be courageous and spill out, I hope it's not too spilly, but structure my feelings in this way and demonstrate them and show them. Um, can we all start telling our stories a bit more honestly, please? Can we all start admitting that, yeah, we have these desires and yes, we sometimes hate people and, you know, can we just be a bit more authentic? I know that word's overused. Give people permission to feel. And especially within a relationship when you've got different things that you want to try or mm. different emotions to the to the other partner mm. and especially raising a family like that can bring up so much stress yeah. it wasn't the ideal time to open up our relationship when my wife was pregnant and uh, and we then had to adjust to becoming new parents as well you had such a a, um, a grounding thing about to happen well, yeah. it was a reason to to I really try about that yeah we're stuck with each other really whatever happens <laughs> I was trying to say it in a much nicer way but yeah, um, don't worry I know how you feel <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, uh, with relationships, it's very freeing to start having these conversations, but they are painful. But I don't feel reassured when someone says to me, hey, baby, I never want anybody but you and I never will. It's like, I don't believe that. But if you say you're going to, you maybe will be attracted to other people and think about doing things with them, but you'll consider my feelings in it all, then I feel reassured. Because we've spoken before on the podcast about how it's quite a lot of stress on one person when that person, when if your partner is saying you're my every, you know, to be everything. It's consuming and it's unhealthy and I I don't think it's good. Yeah, but, but... <laughs> it's a difference between a soulmate and an everything, wonder. though, isn't it? I'm good about. I was about to say a soul singer. I was about to cut it. I was raised on soul music, and those bastards have ruined me. Right? Because I want that kind of "I love you, baby, I'll die if you leave the room" kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What are you thinking when you look therapy? At me? Yeah. <laughs> so, how do you feel about love now? Wow. I mean, I'm not a philosopher. I I don't know how to answer that. I suppose I can. I'll never be by default monogamous without thinking about it again. I may well be monogamous in terms of I am choosing this, but I'll never do it. Just like I'll never be heterosexual without thinking about it again. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll probably never be heterosexual again, but you know, never (laughs) mind. In theory, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, um, I think love is, 
I think people can love lots of different people at once or, or a couple. And I think polyamory can work. But I think I am very emotional in the way that I love and very heart led. Mm-hmm. And I find it difficult to love intensely more than one person. Um, but what do I think about love? I think it's amazing. I think it should be cherished and not taken for granted and celebrated in every way that we can. I think I'm single. <laughs> wow, I didn't know I was working as a therapist today. <laughs> I'm only a trainee. I have to disclose that well, as a result of this, ethics. Um, this, is, this is great. Ethics, <laughs> This is great, though, because it, it's like the book covers poly relationships, queer relationships, parenthood, childhood trauma, addiction, I know sobriety, there's a lot. infidelity, <laughs> ethical non-monogamy. Yeah, it's all in there. And you're trained to be a psychotherapist. Is it simply to save on fees? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i've paid so much in therapy i haven't saved a penny and then i and then i have to have supervision as yeah, well as a yeah, therapist yeah. so no i'm not saving anything and, and writers don't make lots of money unless you all buy the book yeah so, we yeah. will we can't yeah, wait i'm just yeah eating sandwiches every can i day. ask um did you say eating sandwiches no i'm not really but you know ever so poor please buy the book <laughs> so poor. um can i say something yes i'm upset about so what happened to the other person who a yeah a is still very much in my life. Really? Yeah. A is A is absolutely 100% in my life and incredibly important to me. The only reason I'm not going to go into that is because the book ends chronologically okay. in May okay. in 2019. Okay. And I'm thinking about a sequel, so okay. I don't want to a reveal what happens. Okay, okay that's cool. Ooh. A and B, yeah. the two women in there, are yeah. very much still in my life. And okay. my son, well, he's still hanging around. Oh, okay. so, well, two and a half now, he won't go away, he won't get a job. <laughs> Too young to be of any use use at all. Um, What was writing like? What generally writing? Mm. Writing the book? Is it your first book? No, it's not your first book. I've been writing since I was eight. Uh, Well, I've been writing with a determination to be a writer since I was eight. Mm. But you're a journalist, but you did a swim book. Run, Ride, Sink or Swim is a narrative non-fiction book on triathlon. So it's a kind of story about the world of women's triathlon that I went into. So this is totally different. This is much more my voice and the kind of writing I want to do. Um, I love writing. I love and hate it, like everything that I describe in the book. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll carry on. It, th- I think telling the story this way, I've written a few novels that are unpublished as well, and I tried to tell my story, my childhood story, in other ways, and it never got published. Mm-hmm. So now I've had to sort of tell the truth and out myself about it, and it's been published. <laughs> well, who would be the reader for this? Who are you looking... Who do you think... Oh, if, if you're feeling like this myself. way... myself... <laughs> I sit there and read it every night. It's an excellent book. Um, my child adores it. <laughs> my child sounds okay. I don't know what I'm complaining about. Um, yeah, I guess it would be a sort of 20 to 70, probably 60-year-old woman, but probably female, um, maybe uh, maybe man, but probably female, somebody who's curious, who wants to explore, who's been hurt in love, who's not maybe been loved as they perhaps ideally would have been as a child and who wants really to feel things more fully but feels that they're not allowed, full mm. of shame. This oh. is so fascinating because I talk and write a lot about um, about how it's be, how like sex relationships are when you get older and in your mm. 50s. And one of the things I've written recently... You're not. And I, oh, I so am. Is uh, more than... Well done. That's another, <laughs> that's another copy sold. Cha-ching. Well done, you. Yeah. It's, um, and I meant this when I wrote this as opposed to a lot of the other stuff I write. No, I meant this... I really think in your 50s, definitely sex is about freedom. It's like the time when you can, you feel I'm less um, self-conscious, I'm less, self, less self-doubting. And so I kind of, I think if you can't in that time when you give few fucks, find what you want to be and who you want to be in sex mm. and that follows through with relationships, then, then when can you do it? And I even found myself and I am, I've walked out of a restaurant when a date has talked to the waitress too much. Yeah, <laughs> right? I even thought the other day, 
wonder if I could do the compersion thing. Ah, the compersion. Oh, compersion. Do, you know I mean? do we need to define it here? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go, go for it. Because I always cry when I say it. Yeah. <laughs> I think compersion, I'm by no means any expert on polyamory, but I think compersion, which is a word in ethical non-monogamy in that world, it means taking pleasure in your loved one's pleasure. Yeah. So it might be enjoying watching them jump about with new relationship energy, which mm. I've done and, and didn't enjoy. Um, or it might be all the way through to enjoying watching them have sex with someone else. But um, it's certainly taking a kind of pleasure in it. So I suppose it's in a way the opposite of jealousy or yeah. envy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm trying to definitely, I know this is your hour, but I'm trying to um, <laughs> open my mind up a bit to trying to not be so jealous. Uh, jealous. And that thing that you just said, Mary, which is the um, how can one person be everything? Yeah. I'm trying to be more, I'm trying to use my brain mm. rather than just mm. my vajayjay and heart. Well, I, I mean, I have some very intimate um not platonic friendships but they, they're mostly with women mm. and those kind of I like to think of it as a net that I spread wide and I can land on um, yeah. all these connections and I offer them support too and we just love it I love I'm romantic with some of my friends but not sexual I mean and so it's kind of like you, you can be close and intimate with lots of different people in different ways um, and that can help but this wasn't a necessarily pain-free experience. Well, with A and B, no, absolutely not. No, no, no. But that's different. You know, that was romantic and sexual and things will always get, I think they get a, bit, a lot messier there. For me, anyway, than with my friendships. Do you find it's different, um, this is such a stupid question, but <laughs> when's that stopped me? Um, <laughs> do you like Toblerone? Do you like, yeah. yes. <laughs> Have you got a freebie for every guest? <laughs> no, but i tell you what, I insist that you steal a mug. Oh, not I will. That, you have oh, to yeah. take yours home. Um, the, the whole monogamy thing this is such a stupid question but the whole kind of um, gender divide on the idea of monogamy would do men handle it easier do women handle it easier do you think if you'd had that conversation with I've a man been with a man for about 12 years so I don't think I can answer that but I've heard and I've interviewed some um, some people as well for articles and I've heard that when women go out and put themselves put themselves out there for God's sake I don't know where that came from but when they go out and they date um, as polyam openly polyamorous people and in a heterosexual uh, way they tend to find more men interested because men are like well my the person I interviewed said men men don't really give a shit yeah. They just, they're like, oh, and then they start to have feelings for the person. They're like, no, I want you to be just mine. Whereas women will be a lot more like, what do you mean you're polyamorous? You're just a cat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, there, there is a slight difference there. Yeah. I think because, I, I don't know, I think because maybe more women want more security whereas guys when they go out and they're like oh yeah I'm totally like I know so many guys who don't understand that there is a difference between non-monogamy and ethical non-monogamy yeah. mm -hmm. and just for anyone out the ethical non-monogamy is when your other part knows about it yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and not via Twitter yeah not via Twitter not via Instagram and there's been a conversation you you have agreed that this there are certain ways of being that perhaps are unique to you yeah. some people write out contracts some people I mean, have rules, hardcore rules, like, you know, you don't do this. You don't. Some people say you don't fall in love, but you can sleep with whoever you want. That, that would never work for me because I always want what I'm told I'm not allowed to do. Oh, <laughs> I think it's human nature, there, right? And Easton's sleeping with them. This girl I knew, Sam, used to say she would, um, she'd get emotionally involved with a lump of wood if she slept with it long enough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's joking, but I think there's, there's a sort of biochemical truth in that, certainly for me. Does Did it, that come Not in, that I'm calling my partner's lumps of wood. No. <laughs> Take that back. Did that come into your whole experience? The fact that you were saying to yourself, oh, the, the fact that you knew that you 
can you want to do what you're told not to yes definitely but also the first chapter is called just sex and it's an ironic title because i i have learned that i'm not I can do it, but only with people who I don't want to sleep with again. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so if there's, there's going to be a repeat... What stage do you find you just to realise that? <laughs> no, no, must we go into anatomical language? Um, yeah, and so I, I was very much set up to be just sex yeah. with A. Uh, um, and this was going to be an experience that I needed and I wanted. And I was okay with going and taking for myself. Um, and I never planned to say anything. But I hasten to add that my wife and I had had discussions where I'd said, do you know what? you're really the only woman I've slept with and I think I'm not going to be okay with that. And she's like, hey, that's cool. You go and do what you want. But it was always said in quite a jokey way. But we had at least opened the door. I would say we didn't have an open relationship. It was more ajar um, at, the, <laughs> at the beginning. But then, you know, this just sex thing became just... It, it's a joke between A and I now because neither of us really managed it. <laughs> Still here three and a half years later. <laughs> this is such a... Um so interesting so it interesting really it? does sound like it would be a good survival guide for anyone out there <laughs> it's, it's not I mean it's like, <laughs> but, <laughs> my the opposite yeah, yeah. yeah. we've just yeah. had a review from something called Love Reading which is a wonderful review which has been great but it says very clearly this is not a self-help book <laughs> it's my favourite thing that anyone said about it <laughs> so this isn't a how-to guide <laughs> oh no it's a how, how not maybe to. a bit how not to but also like just how to be yeah, it, it's a truth um, guide. And now you're a parent, and this is again is another stupid question, but I guess you can never instill. Um, well, well, when the philosopher you were talking about, you quoted who said the way you see love or the way you've, you've been loved is is how you uh, make love in the end. Well, did she say that? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it will play out when you have a child because you can't. So you're not going to ever kind of browbeat a child into having the kind of relationship you have. Goodness, no. No, never. Nor would I browbeat my son into uh, having the same likes and dislikes as me or the, any of the same. Don't, well, well yeah. no, there's, I'm oh. such a carnivore. I think I might. <laughs> if that's the only thing that I feel really strongly about. No. I mean, obviously, if he wants to be vegetarian, that's okay. Vegan. Um, yeah, I, I would never. I want him to be himself, right? Yeah. But I think that's what it's all about. It's kind of explaining it in, a, in an age-appropriate way what's going on here yeah. and being truthful and open. So a child, the worst thing a child can ever feel is that they're going mad because they're receiving information and input and their antennae are up and they're thinking, mommy's sad or whatever. And then you say, no, mommy's just fine. It's the worst thing because then yeah. they don't trust their own, they don't trust their judgment. Yeah. Do you think after all this, with, through your experience and writing the book, do you think you have found easier ways to say I love you? Oh, no. Oh, hang on. <gasps> come hang on. on. Oh, come on. We rarely do this, but yeah. Miranda, come on. <laughs> you've been away, but you've been practising. I know, look at that. Mm -hmm. well, <laughs> would you like your acceptance gift now? Yeah. <laughs> um, the book is really, in the book, it sort of says, you know, there are easier ways to say I love you, but this is mine, writing mm. the book. Um, so I, I mean, I always, my father always says to me, you, there are easier ways to do things and you pick the hard way every time. And I, and I answer, no, I pick the kind of rocky way because it's more interesting to me. Uh, and ultimately, you know, it, it, it's more adventurous and I always want to grow. I don't think happiness is something that sticks around. I think it comes and goes. Have I found better ways to say I love you, easier ways to say I love you than writing a book? No, writing is still my medium. Absolutely. Yeah. Fair enough. Can't wait. Can't wait. You've got great hair. 
Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I had a, a dry cut, seventeen pounds in Balham, really? South London. Nice, shiny. <laughs> nice. Oh, that. Oh, that's all the meat and fish. <laughs> all the animal all, products. It's all about the meat and fish. <laughs> um, when's it out? Is it out now? It's out on February the sixth by a myriad editions. My wonderful independent publisher, Yay. who honestly have backed me when nobody else would back me because they said it was just too complicated. We love the writing, but there's too much here. It's. It's. They just. We don't know where it will fit on the shelf. Is what all the agents and publishers oh, said. That's and Myriad came along and went, we don't want it to fit on the shelf. Yeah, Yeah, we have our own shelf. I love them. They're amazing. That's incredible. And where can we find you on social media? So my website, uh, not to obviously avoid the first question, my website is www.lucyfry.co.uk. Social is Lucy underscore Fry underscore writer on Instagram or Lucy C. Fry at Twitter. Charlotte, let me guess, Charlotte. She's Catherine with a C, but I don't like that name on me. Oh, Oh, So I don't use it. Obviously, I do. Oh, what a way to an interview. I know. I know. I think <laughs> we can't end it. The Catherine. We, we can't, I said I don't like it on yeah, me. We can't end it there. We can't end it there. Can I end it in a different way? Yes. Can I end it by saying that the call to action that I named earlier about yeah. you know, giving you permission to have your feelings? I just hope that if anyone can tell their story as a result of reading my book using any kind of medium they want, I would just be so happy if they told the truth about stuff they feel ashamed about and just faced it and threw it out there. It would just make me so happy. Amazing. Oh, brilliant. Thank you, Thank you very Thank much, you. guys. Hey, what did you think? That was so fascinating and, and such a brave angle on yeah. the whole thing. I think for me, I'm so used to seeing polyamory and thruples and other things. So I think normally when we look at books about polyamory or thruples or anything in that, it tends to be sensationalised. Yeah. But I really like the brave angle that Lucy's gone in there where it's, you know, obviously brought up painful things. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm really intrigued to see what the book's Yeah, like. and also um, when we speak to people, and I'm I'm not doubting their, their honesty at all because they look happier and more fulfilled than I ever, exhausted. But they look happier and more fulfilled than I ever will be. Um, but it seems quite pain free when they talk about it. And Lucy was going, nah, this isn't easy. Yeah. It's, it's harder because you're really delving. And it's not just the relationship you're in and the other relationships around it, it's the relationship with self. Oh, very profound. Thanks, baby. Um, but do you know what I mean? So she's really gone for it. The book sounds fascinating. And as we were talking, I suddenly remembered that you and Lucy will be joining me and my co-host, Anna Burt. Don't, do you get jealous that I've got a co-host? No, I'm all right. Oh, um, okay. You know, as long as it's non-ethical. Non-ethical. <laughs> non-ethical. <laughs> Definitely non-ethical. Ethical non <laughs> You're good with words today. (laughs) (laughs) The point is, Anna and I are co-hosting the Nightgeist events I do. We're doing one in Brighton and it's Breaking the Love Mold and it's February the 11th and um, on my Twitter, BB Lynch, um, all the info will be there and Miranda and Lucy will be there and we're talking about um, women that do love differently and it's going to be such a brilliant event. So it's Miri and it's Lucy and it's Yasmin Benoit, asexual, aromantic friends. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, February the 11th, it's the um, the antidote to um, Valentine's Day. <laughs> but yeah, come along. And, I, and Lucy talking about the book would be super... In- what are you going to talk about? Oh, fuck <laughs> knows. It's lovely. Um, so <laughs> what do you want me to talk about? Fuck knows. <laughs> so, so yeah, come along everyone. And yeah, brilliant, brilliant guest. Um, so that was Lucy Fry. Mm. I'm Bibi Lynch. I'm Miranda Kane. Good Sex, Bad Sex was produced by Juliet Nichols from Metro.co.uk. Where's Sam Bonham? Where's Sam Bonham? 
Oh, God. I haven't seen you for 25 years. <laughs> that was the fuck nose I was talking about. <laughs> uh, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Good Sex Bad Sex with the triple X at the end. And we've also got um, an Instagram as well if you want to take a little of our beautiful yeah, visages. visages. What well, are we on Insta? We uh, I think Good Sex Bad Sex. With just one X. Yeah. God. yeah. Um, and also, if you have any sexy questions or any queries or anything you'd like us to talk about on Good Sex Bad Sex, please get in touch. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. So it's info at sexpod.co.uk. And we will see you next week. God willing. Mm-hmm.